Today we are looking at Psalm 143, and the title of the message is Teach Me to Do Thy Will, and actually it's verse 10 of Psalm 143, but I thought I would do the, we would look at the entire psalm, and we're reading it from the Message Bible. Listen to this prayer of mine, God. Pay attention to what I'm asking. Answer me. You're famous for your answers. Do what's right for me. But don't, please don't, haul me into court. Not a person alive would be acquitted there. The enemy hunted me down. He kicked me and stomped me within an inch of my life. He put me in a black hole, buried me like a corpse in the dungeon. I sat there in despair, my spirit draining away, my heart heavy like lead. I remembered the old days. Went over all you've done and pondered the ways you've worked. Stretch out my hands to you, stretched out my hands to you, as thirsty for you as a desert thirsty for rain. Hurry with your answer, God. I'm nearly at the end of my rope. Don't turn away. Don't ignore me. That would be certain death. If you wake me each morning with the sound of your loving voice, I'll go to sleep each night trusting you. Point out the road I must travel. I'm all ears, all eyes before you. Save me from mine enemies, God. You're my only hope. Teach me how to live to please you because you're my God. Lead me by your blessed spirit into a cleared and level pasture land. Keep up your reputation, God. Give me life. In your justice, get me out of this trouble. In your great love, vanquish my enemies. Make a clean sweep of those who harass me. And why? Because I'm your servant. <laughs> this is a very interesting psalm. Often it is, um, verse 10 is the emphasis, and often when we've heard it, when we speak about it, we generally look at verse 10 as the only context or the main verse and teach me to do your will, O God. But I thought as we would, as I was reading this, that I would do the entire psalm. seems I, I like to do those scripture texts and run through them. Um, if we think about the will of God, I think sometimes in our context and our daily living, it's hard for us to imagine that we are here for a divine purpose. I mean, it just isn't something that pops up every day. Whenever somebody pulls out in front of you or, uh, you know, something goes wrong, we, we, we immediately think, oh, I'm here for a divine purpose. Is that what happens? <laughs> How about when things don't go right, you know, at work or with people? Oh, this is a divine purpose going on in my life. Is there any takers? You know, the first thing you wake up in the morning, you say, wow, it's a new day. I'm going to look forward to God's divine purpose in my life. <laughs> but you, and we know, and I'm being a little facetious, so much of our life is about living, <laughs> about life itself, going and coming, you know, getting, losing, uh, getting up in the morning, getting ready for work, going to work. Uh, what are we going to have for lunch, you know? <laughs> what are we going to have for supper? We get home, well, we're home, what are we going to do with this and that and get ready for bed to start the routine all over tomorrow? I'm here for a divine purpose. Okay. <laughs> so, what choices will I make today that will make a difference? What am I going to do that is going to be of a divine purpose? This week I had... Uh, I had an unusual day one day, 
And it, I can't remember all the things that happened that day, but it was one of those days in which uh, it just started off with opening the door for someone, and they were just exceptionally happy for it. I mean, I, I generally open the door for people, but sometimes you open a door for people, and they walk by, and it's like, hello, thank you. <laughs> you know, it, you know you, they didn't notice. But, you know, it was this, this day was one of those that you open the door, and somebody said, thank you. And you, you did this for them, and they said, thank you. And uh, I was, you know, going to lunch, <laughs> and uh, there was this individual, and they were not... Uh, I don't think they had a need in the sense that they were trying to sell little things for needy children. And I, I thought, I went in, sat down, and ate, and came back out. And I said, you know, they're not really there for needy children. They're just trying to get money so they can have something to eat for lunch. <laughs> and they had made little things that you could, and they would use it. I, was, I should have told her to, you know, don't say you need it for needy children. I'll give you this if you give me money for lunch, you know. So I gave her money for lunch. And, uh, but it's just those things that, that, that it was just kind of one of those days, and the individual says, well, how much does lunch cost in there? <laughs> but, you know, I gave her money for lunch. But these things are going over, and it's like that extraordinary day that you meet with individuals that, do we really make a difference for them? And whenever we think of living for a divine purpose, is, is the divine purpose something so spiritual that it doesn't have everyday contacts. You see, our divine purpose is about living and touching people. Think about Jesus and his ministry. And he spent time where? He spent time with people. He spent time away from people. He went away to pray, and he you know, had times that he went away by himself. But he was always with the disciples or with individuals, talking with them, meeting with them, helping them. You know, when they needed fed, he fed 5,000, you know, when he needed to walk on water, he was there, whenever he needed, the blind man came by, he, he healed him, when the widow's, you know, the child, the widow's child had died, he raised the child, when Lazarus was sick, Every, he's always meeting and talking with people, divine purpose, divine purpose is sometimes seen as so spiritual that we, we never do it, but in reality, divine purpose is something we do every day. The divine purpose of God is something we do every day in our conversations, in our work, in our conversations with people, our working and talking to your neighbors and friends and everything else. That's all part of a divine purpose because you are God to these people. Because the divine is alive in you. Teach me to do your will, O God. And, th and the, uh, as we look at that, teach me, often we think of this teaching as something we're learning, but it is teaching to do. I'm learning, here, teach me to dig this ditch. <laughs> here's a pick, here's a shovel, let's do it. See, we often think of teaching as sitting in a classroom and teach me how to do it. So we sit in a classroom, and it's like reading a book on how to drive a car. Uh, but you never get behind the wheel. Teach me to do is teach me and then get behind the wheel and do and drive. And so as we look at this, David is in this, well, this very dark place in his life. And he, is, he has been hounded by Saul. 
He has been hiding from Saul. He has been abandoned by his, most of his followers. And he's very depressed and discouraged. And this is the psalm that we look at. And it's often thought of, and whenever I do the 23rd psalm, that David writes about, you know, that one of the Jewish tradition has it that David is in the back of a cave and uh, Saul is in the front of the cave and Saul is hunting for David and David's in the back and he writes the 23rd psalm. And it is in the 23rd psalm, if you think about it, you see the aspects of this type of situation because the psalm prior to this is one that, that speaks about um, David in this very difficult place, this Psalm 142 and 143, that David is in his, this, this place of hurt, of a place of questioning, a, qua- a place of despair, and it's in that place that he, he is remembering what God has done for him. So, when we think of living in a divine purpose, and especially when things really go wrong, and things are not working, how then is that opening up to us what God wants us to be? Remember a couple of weeks ago we spoke of uh, the, the movie Les Mis, you know, and, um, and the, the question was, in that message was, if we didn't face the circumstances that we were in, that we are in, would we open up the giftings that we need in our life to live? Do the circumstances open the giftings of our life? Okay? And and the answer is yes. That God has giftings for us that are being opened by every situation in us. And whenever we whenever we respond according to the will of God and the character of God and the by the Spirit of God, by loving and caring and forgiving and these types of things, we are setting in motion an outcome that is going to be for God's good and God's glory. So, before we ask and look at this psalm and look at the darkness that that David finds himself in, we've got to ask ourselves a question. What is the character of God? See, whenever we go to God in prayer, we, need to, we always need to shape our prayers within the character of God. We don't just look at our needs and say, okay, God, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why is this? These types of things. So what the, the, the character of God is, number one, will, will God abandon me? The answer is, will God, abandon, will God abandon me? The answer is, no. Can something remove me from God's care? Thank you. Does he know, does God know where I am at right now? Yes is the right answer. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's just yes and no, okay? Let's keep it simple. We go to absolutely's and most definitely, we're just not going to get through this. Okay. Can God change the situation that I am in? Most definitely. Okay. <laughs> yes. Can God give me strength and guidance to take me through this? So we have that in place. Our awareness of God's character then must shape how we talk about our need that we, that we face. 
Knowing God's character then shapes how we talk to God about what we're facing. So he's not going to leave me. This cannot separate me. He knows exactly where I am. He can change all the circumstances or he can change me. He can do all of that. So, with that in place, how do we converse with God? How do we offer our conversation? Here we have David's example in Psalm 143. David says, verse 1 and 2, Listen to this prayer of mine, God. And, and I, you know, when you first say that, it's like David is saying, Hey, God, pay attention here. <laughs> but I don't think it's that kind of... Uh, you know, declaration. I think if it's the, at the declaration like Jesus whenever he's at the tomb of Lazarus. God, I thank you that you always hear me when I pray. It's that type of declaration. God, you always hear me when I pray. Listen to this prayer of mine. Pay attention to what I'm asking. Answer me. You're famous for your answers. Okay, let's have a conversation with God. One, God always hears me when I pray. And I know, God, you have some glorious answers for me. How did we shape that prayer? We shaped it within the confines of God's character. He'll never leave me, forsake me. He's got a plan and purpose for my life. He is opening up the giftings that are in my life, and he is going to do a good thing in me. And when God says good, that's fabulous. <laughs> you know, The word good in, in the scripture is, you know, we have extravagant and fabulous and, you know, all kinds of big words. But good means not just average, but way above average, as, as great as it can be. So, do what, and this is David's declaration. He says, you're hearing me, you're going to pay attention to me, and you are famous for your answers. Now, do what's right for me. See, we don't always know what's right. We don't always know, you know, uh, we, we, we like to, we think of, sometimes we think of prayer as telling God exactly how he should do this because he somehow got confused. <laughs> and David says, do what's right for me, but don't, please don't, haul me into court. Not a person alive would be acquitted there. Please don't look at me and, and take me for my evilness and the, the faults and problems that I've had and the sins that I've done. Don't take me to that court because no one is without sin. No one can be acquitted there because on our own, we are total failures. We have sinned. We have totally blown it. And there's just no way we're going to get out of this. So David doesn't go there. He says, don't take me there, Lord. Don't take me to that court, but by your grace and mercy. Then... He gets to the problem. The enemy hunted me down. Well, who's David's enemy? It's Saul. <laughs> that great enemy of David's has hunted him down. Hunted him. The idea of hunting is like dogs pursuing a prey. That this Saul is relentless in his pursuit of me and he wants to just, well, what has he done? He's hunted me, he kicked me, and he stomped me with an inch of my life. <laughs> so he's describing what is going on here. He's describing his situation. This is how bad it is for me. Does God know this? Yeah. 
But what's David doing? David is unburdening himself, his heart before God. Sometimes people say, well, you know, it's good to talk about things. <laughs> it's good to talk about things. It's good to vent. Who do we vent to? David's venting to God. He is taking the situation as he sees it, and he's declaring it, giving it to God within the framework of the character of God. We go on. This situation that, has, that he's been looking at here, the enemy, Saul, has hunted him down. He has put me in a black hole. Where's he at? He's in a cave. <laughs> he's in a cave. That's a black hole. Ever, ever been in a cave? Yeah. Do you ever shut the lights off in a cave? Yeah. Want to talk about darkness? That's dark. When I was in college, we used to go spelunking, <laughs> caving. And, of course, we always went with somebody who was an expert. At least we thought they were. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we would go back in these caves, and we'd be back in there for hours. You know, and had great faith in the people who were leading us because I had the foggiest notion where we were at. Me and Bradley got lost. Uh, my roommate, we got lost. We turned around and nobody was there. And I mean, we were, we were hunting and all I could imagine was the lights going out and, you know, we're stomping around and, and uh, trying to find our way out. We found, an, we found a, a place to get out, but there was about 30 feet of water deep and about 50 across to get out. And it was swim or go back. So we went back. And, uh, <laughs> and the guy who was our guide, we found him sitting there. And we thought, well, why aren't you looking for us? And he says, well, we figured you always come back to where you started from. Just took you guys a little longer than most. <laughs> so we had gone in full circle and had the foggiest notion where we'd gone. And uh, it, was, it was a black hole, all right. So it was depressing, and David is saying that he is, this black hole that he is in is depressing. It has forced him to think dark thoughts. Dark thoughts. Dark thoughts. Living in darkness. Dark thoughts are the ones that bury me like a corpse in the dungeon. Dark thoughts are the ones that are completely contrary to God's word that's not going to work for me, that I've fallen into a black hole and I can't get out. And it's, if you've ever worked with individuals, well, I've worked with individuals that have attempted suicide, they have tried to kill themselves, and, and, and gratefully, fortunately, they have survived. But almost every one of them has, talked, has spoken of this black hole that they fall into emotionally. And that there is nothing but blackness and darkness and the only way out is death. It isn't that they are loved or not loved. It isn't the situations. There is this emotional darkness that people fall into. And David talks about it. He talks about this darkness that he has fallen into. And it's like being a corpse in that dungeon that he can't find his way out, and there's this, there's this place of despair. It is so despairing to David that he feels like he is dead. All of his dreams are gone. All of his hopes are gone. He is buried. I sat there, he says, 
in this dark hole, in this cave, I sat there in despair, my spirit draining away, as if someone had pulled the plug on his spirit. As if everything that was in him that was life and of hope is just draining from him. My heart is heavy like lead. It's broken. And the heaviness of what is taking place is so unbearable. Then, what does he do? Now, no one's around coaching him. He's framing this situation. He's framing this event in the character of God. So no matter how we frame our event, we don't end with my heart heavy like lead. See, that leaves us nothing. That's why people will find despairing and leaving and walking away from life and God and everything else is because they stop there. But David, cha- but David changes. He says, I remember the old days. What does he remember? He remembers the day that he was a shepherd as a boy. He remembers how God had anointed him king. This is a man who is supposed to be king, and he's hiding in a cave. This is a man who led the armies of Israel against other nations and was victorious. This is a man who had led thousands of people into battle, and now he's hiding in a cave. But I remember, I remember the old days when God was my portion, when God was at work in my life. When, when over all, I went over all you've done, pondered the ways that you've worked, not only in my life, but I remember the ways that you worked in the history of Israel. I remember how that you did these things in the lives of other people. David, in, in other places, says David encourages himself in the Lord, picked himself up by his own bootstraps. When there's no one else to talk to, we talk to God. And when we talk to God, we always encourage ourselves because that's the character of God. Then he goes on. He says, now I'm I'm stretching out my arms to you. I'm (laughs) empty-handed. I'm empty-handed here, God, in this cave. But you see, now this is turning from despair to prayer. He's going from despair to prayer of what is going on and describing the situation. See, he's venting what has happened. He's venting his frustration. Now he's saying, I'm open-handed. I was the leader of the armies, and I have nothing. Saul has hunted me and kicked me and put me in this place, and I, I feel like there's no hope for me. But I remember. I remember your calling upon my life. I stretch out my arms to you. I am as thirsty for you, God, as a desert is thirsting for rain. (laughs) See, I've had my fill of all these other things, but I need the refreshing in my soul that only the rain of God, only the blessing of God, only the presence of God can bring to me and he says he longs, he's longing for God as a as, as desert longs for rain. And how that when rain comes upon the desert, there's flowers blooming in the desert. Why? Because the seeds are already in the dust and in the, in the ground. And there's, there's, did you know that in some of these lakes, 
there are fish and frogs and all that stuff. They're down in the mud, and they're kind of like in a hibernation. There are, there are people that have, um, in these, you know, the people that live in the desert areas like this, that they will take, um, when the mud is there, they will cut out sections of that mud, and they will put it in their houses, and that when it rains, fish will come out of the mud <laughs> in the sides of their houses because they've kind of been in this hibernation, and when the, when the water comes, they come back to life. And people have actually had fish come out of their walls because they cut them out in that mud and used them as bricks in their homes. When, the thirst, when we are thirsty for God and the rain of God comes upon our life, things come to life. Hmm. Do the places that we find ourselves in open up giftings that never would have come to us had we not been in this place? I am thirsting for you as a desert thirst for rain. Hurry with your answer. God, I'm in a hurry. <laughs> you know, I, can't, I don't know how much longer I can take this. I'm, why? Because I'm nearly at the end of my rope. I don't know if I can continue on. I'm in the cave. I'm in despair. I'm in, I'm in a black hole. I'm like a corpse. And, you know, I, but I remember. I remember what you've said. I remember what you've done. I'm empty-handed, Lord. I have nothing to offer you except just me. Answer my prayers. I'm at the end of my rope. David's afraid. Please, God, don't turn away. Don't ignore me. Because if you ignore me, it's certain death. See, the focus is now on God. Not on Saul, not on the events. It's not wrong to remember those things. Put them in the context. Put them in the context of the character of God. If you wake me each morning with the sound of your voice, if you wake me with the sound of your voice, it's like I desire to hear the voice of God in my spirit. You see, there is a divine purpose for our life. We hear the voice of the divine. You, we all do. We all hear the voice of the divine in the songs that we have sung, in the scriptures that we are reading. We're hearing God's voice speak to us of hope. And if I hear the sound of your loving voice in the morning, I'll go to sleep each night trusting you. There is a security in knowing that God loves us. There is a security in knowing that I am safe in the arms of my Father. There is a security in knowing that God has a divine purpose for us. Point out, here he goes, what's he doing now? Point out the road that I must travel. I'm all ears, I'm all eyes for you. I, you God, you've got my total attention. Focus has changed. Focus has changed. I'm all ears, I'm all eyes. God, show me the road. Hear the voice of God. I, there is a path, there's a purpose, there's a, there's a place, there's all these things before me. And he goes, save me from mine enemies. He's not talking about being kicked by Saul. He's saying, God, save me from my enemies. You're my only hope. You're the only one who's going to make sense out of this. You're the only one who's going to help me here. Teach me. Verse 10, the main part of this verse, this, this, this psalm, Teach me how to live to please you. Teach me what to do. Don't just tell me what to do. Teach me. There is an instruction here. 
God, instruct me in the paths of righteousness. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. See how that, that psalm just fits here about in the morning? Where are the sheep? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or shall not lack any good thing. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. See? We see David kind of, it's in this cave place he writes the 23rd Psalm. It's in this cave place where he says, God, you're my only hope. Teach me. Teach me. Give me a knowledge about what I'm, and it's not just about doing, and it's not just about learning. It's about learning and doing. It's combining them together. Teach me to do, to live that will please you, because if I please God, all of these things will fit into a divine pattern. That is the character of God. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for you. He's called you by name while you were yet in your mother's womb. Got a baby in the mother's womb. Got one that just got out. <laughs> while they were there, God put in all the things that are necessary for that entire life. All those things are in there. It's in and, and the circumstances of life will bring out all of the opportunities. You know, when you're teaching in school, what are you doing? Well, that's already in the kids. It's just helping us to bring it out of them. Some people, you're trying to stuff it in. But for most kids, you're just bringing it out. You know? Well, in our life, we're not just trying to stuff it in there. It's already in there. And God is bringing it out. Save me from my enemies, God. You're my only hope. Teach me how to live to please you. Because, because you're my God. It's not the loss that I've encountered. It's not Saul. It's not the power of being the general in charge. It's not the position. It's not the life. It's not the events. You're my God. Lead me by your blessed spirit. If the spirit is blessed and the spirit abides in us, we are blessed. Say, I'm blessed. Say it again. I'm blessed. Why? Because God is in you. The blessed spirit is in you. How can the blessed spirit be in you and you not be blessed? Oh, no, thank you, God. I don't need that. <laughs> no, let it go. Why? Let it go on. Lead me by your blessed spirit. Where? Into cleared and level pasture land. We've never had to clear land. <laughs> but... Clear, clearing land is taking out the trees and out the shrubs and the grubs and everything else. And, and the pasture land is where the cattle will graze and all those things. Lead me into these, place me, into these places where all this will take place. Whenever the children of Israel were to go into the promised land, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Pasture land, cleared land. Lead me to the place where I can be fruitful and grow in my life. Verse 11. Keep up your reputation, God. Give me life. God has a reputation. <laughs> the, the scripture says in the 23rd Psalm that he will lead me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Anyone worthy of the name shepherd 
will make sure that his sheep are safe. He will protect his sheep with his life for your name's sake. Keep up your reputation. God, give me life. It is the character of God to protect his sheep. It is the character of God to provide for his people. It is the character of God to never leave you nor forsake you. It is the character of God to prepare a place for you. It is the character of God to prepare a path for you. It is the character of God that he will help you in every situation in life and never abandon you. That's the character of God. So as we form our prayers, we form them within the character of God. Keep up your reputation in your justice. God is never unfair. <laughs> he is never unfair. David could have gone, you know, the, the cave. You know, God, you are a just God. They kicked me when I was that. God, you are a just God. Vengeance is yours. You'll take care of this. I will focus on your provision. Get me out of this trouble. Focuses on God. Get me out. Make a way. Lead me. Bless me. In your great love, vanquish mine enemies. Did you, you know, if I would have said that, I'd have said, God, in your great anger and power, get rid of my enemies. <laughs> you know? But God is a God of love. In his love, he will vanquish, he will deal with those individuals. From his love, he can't be anything but love. God so loved the world he gave. In your great love, vanquish mine enemies. Make what? A clean sweep. Make a clean sweep of all those who, who have harassed me. All those who have been picking on me and doing the wrong things by me and, and all those things. God, make a clean sweep of all those who have, who have harassed me. And the great question is, No, above it, why? Why should he do this? Why should God protect me? Why should God provide for me? Why should God watch over me? Why should he do this? Because I am your servant. <laughs> Say it. I am God's servant. Say it. I am God's servant. That's why. He looks at you, and you can't earn that position. He's already given it to you. <laughs> he can't, you can't earn it. He's given it to you, and it's our right, our responsibility. That's his character. So David's circumstances is also one of Christ that he will face. This prayer is a prayer that said is a prophecy that Jesus Christ in the same situation would have read as he faced the cross. Kicked me when I was down. Chased me to the black hole, the garden, where he sweat great drops of blood. Took him to that place of despair. Peter, can't you just pray with me one hour? People, he was abandoned. 
All of these things are characteristics of what happened with Christ at his crucifixion. I am your servant, Father. You will vanquish all of my foes in your great love. And it's us. It's also you and I. Isn't this a great psalm? It's just great. And what you would, God, teach me to do your will. Amen? Teach me to do your divine will. You see, we have a divine purpose. God is with us. Amen? Let's stand. <laughs> so, how do we frame? Frame our prayers in the character of God. We don't pretend that those needs don't exist. The first part of that psalm outlines the need that David has. The second outlines how that God is going to provide for him. So David, he, God didn't get upset with this because David remembered Saul and remembered the cave and remembered the depression. No, that's all there. But then he follows it up with, this is what God is like. So read this psalm over and over and over again. <laughs> um, I have, um, in the computer, on your computers, you go to Bible Gateway, dot com and you can they have audio bible in there i listened to this song this song probably about 30 times yesterday just over and over and over again after i had you know written stuff up for it and it just you know it's just one of those things that you just hit the repeat button <laughs> and you can listen to these things and listen to the word of god and just listen to it and listen to it and listen to it again father thank you for your word thank you for the understanding we have of your character and God, for your divine provision, you will do these things in our life because we're your servant. We didn't earn it. You gave it to us. We are heirs of your righteousness. We are heirs of your blessing because your spirit is in us. Oh God, thank you. Thank you for your divine provision. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, oh God, for your will and your purpose, your path for our life and the giftings you've given us and the opportunities to bring out the giftings that are inside of us. Thank you, Lord for all the good things that you have done. We remember all of the things you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus. Bless us now, Lord, that we might be blessings. Teach me to do your will, we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. Wave at people, you know. <laughs>